Corona shut the world down, or at least the sports world. Oh my gosh. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Rambling Viking Podcast, where today we're going to be discussing sports, but from the angle of they've all been canceled, or should I say postponed due to coronavirus, or COVID-19 to be specific, because there are multiple strands of the corona so what we've seen in the last 48 hours has been nothing short of absolutely incredible terrible amazing catastrophic all of the above we've seen a an across the board closure and effective shutdown of all sports and they continue to to roll in just 20 minutes ago, I got news the Masters is being postponed. Everybody is getting on the same page and just shutting it down for the next, really the rest of March at least is what we're finding out, but possibly even longer. So for starters, we had the whirlwind that was Wednesday night's NBA uh, NBA games. And uh, we saw it start with... OKC, right before tip-off, I mean just before tip-off. For those of you who maybe are like, okay, yeah, like right before tip-off. I mean, I mean, players were on the court, the refs had the ball, they were playing the pump-up music to, to tip the ball off, and then just paused, and then kept pausing. Then sent the players back to the locker room and said, hold on, we're going to figure this out, and then got in contact with the NBA, and the NBA said, shut it all down! Turn it off, go home, and and then within a couple of hours of that, we had, okay, those of you who started a game, finish it, everyone else, we're going on a break. Don't play, don't do none of that, you're going on a break. All thanks to our everyone's favorite Frenchman. Rudy Gobert, who contracted the virus, and you know it's it's kind of it's kind of like ironic, poetic justice. What that he's the he's the dickhead who was touching microphones and making jokes, which I I will say I have been that guy at times. I've made jokes, but I feel like I've been tasteful about it. Like I haven't been legitimately going around like. Touching everything and everybody's stuff. I'm still using hand sanitizer. I just make the casual joke like, hey, who wants a forehead kiss? Hey, who wants to um, hold hands the rest of the day? You know, like dumb stuff like that. Like, Or I'll touch my face obnoxiously and then be like, high five? But then I won't give them a high five. Then I'll go use some hand sanitizer because I know in all seriousness that like, hey, this is a real thing. Albeit, there's only three cases um, where I live. And we've had 36 negative results. So, all in all, I'm in pretty pretty safe area. If you if you're in Oklahoma, you're you're pretty darn safe. But um, at this point, everybody's thrown everything out the window, including the kitchen sink, and it's just saying, "Here's what we're doing." So yeah, that's that's just incredible and exciting. And then. I'm glad I didn't do an emergency podcast because more and more has happened. The NHL suspended their season. The MLB postponed their season. The um, 
Oh, crap. What am I trying to say? Um, MLS suspended their season. I mean, anything and everything you can think of is getting postponed. And really the interesting thing is you look at the timeline. So just a, I don't know, a couple weeks ago back at the end of February, it was like, okay, is it spreading? We started having our first cases in the U.S. And then what then then it's like all right it's getting serious up in washington california you know a lot of coastal places it's getting a little bit more real and then uh and then in the matter of like two days all the sports shut down the ncaa tournament doesn't just say no fans cancels canceled that's the headline it didn't say suspended postponed just canceled so you mean to tell me we were like less than a week away from Selection Sunday, from everybody filling out their brackets, from, as I would say, having a good time, having a good time, to mama, ooh, just crying and basically like, what the, so all that bracket madness I was excited for, gone, um, Everything's falling apart. But I will say this. All in all, it's been so interesting because, you know, we're living in such a polarized time and everybody loves to point fingers at each other. You know, you have one side saying, oh, Trump's being an idiot, which I will say in a lot of ways, he is not handling this well. Like, this is this is where, this is where he really starts to hurt himself because he's just... The way he normally operates isn't good for this type of situation where people are panicking and you need to stay calm. I mean, and it's like there, there's a point there. But then the other side of it is just saying, basically saying, oh, this is all his fault. It's spreading more because of his fault. No, no, no. People are being and saying the stock market crashing is his fault. Like, no, it would be it would be in the dumps anyways. Um Really, what he what he would give people is a people a sense of calm and a sense of reassurance, but like a sense of beware. I go back to I still think for me, at least in my brain, the best analogy to all this is if you have fire in a fire pit, or and, and that that is coronavirus. Like if you're not careful and you do things recklessly, that thing can spread. And let's we'll say we'll say with maybe high winds where you could have some embers blowing out and stuff. And it's like, all right, if you don't try and get a good wind block, like if you don't, if embers start going in the grass around it and the area around it and you don't stomp them out, that could lead to greater things. But you don't need to just absolutely dump a 10-gallon bucket of water or a barrel of water on this fire pit to put it. It's like, whoa, 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 that's overkill and unnecessary, you know. I think really from where it makes most sense for me is you have a healthy respect and and we can use the word fear of it. Um, and it's like, look, you're going to take proper precautions. I think everybody's on board here with their, they're paying attention to what surfaces they're touching. They're washing their hands or using hand sanitizer more. People aren't, people aren't touching each other as much. And right then and there, collectively, it's kind of like the herd mentality when it comes to uh, vaccinations. Which, by the way, my favorite meme so far has been... Um, <laughs> Y'all out here crying for for a corona vaccination when half of you idiots wouldn't even take it if it was available. And <laughs> I thought that was really, really funny. Um, another great meme is NBA-related. It's like, uh, it says, um, 
NBA players may have to play fans with or play games without fans in the arena, and then it's a picture of James DeFranco with a noose around his neck, look, and and it's captioned WNBA players. First time, <laughs> it's re- <laughs> it's one of those. that's like, oh, that's so accurate. But you, all you can do is laugh. And I mean, I will say, in the midst of all of this, what I found myself doing, and what I find myself doing more in general, is when things go weird and things go wonky. And I guess maybe it's coping mechanism for me. I find myself, I just put on a big grin. I just have a good chuckle about it because, like. At this point, what else can we do? This is all happening. The decisions have been made. It's like, all right, so how, let's just like just have a chuckle and like, yeah, let's let's all tackle this together. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a little hippie here, but like, in all honesty, people are like, oh no, it's ending. Like, oh, this is so sad. And it's like, look, you can be sad and you know that there's no toilet paper or hand sanitizer in stores anymore because people are a holes. Um, which first of all, on that note, can I just say, if you don't go to Costco or Sam's or someplace like that already and buy toilet paper and paper towels in bulk, you're doing it wrong. I'm, I'm sorry to say you're doing it wrong. I buy toilet paper like two to three times a year at most. I buy the giant thing at Sam's. I get it. It lasts us for, it lasts us, I don't even know how many months. You know... You know how little I, how few, how rarely, there we go, that's the word, Ugh. how rarely, Joe Biden there, excuse me, you know how rarely I buy toilet paper? I can't even remember the last time I had to go buy. I remember sometime in the last six months, we were like, oh, we're about out of toilet paper, and that's about it, because we buy like 50 rolls at a time in bulk from Sam's, it's fine. So all these people that are going out there like, Oh, right, the toilet paper. First of all, I love how that's, I love how the toilet paper has become the commodity in general. It honestly just cracks me up. Because <laughs> it's like, we have a pandemic, you figure, you know, bread and water and like, your basic like sandwich stuff, like all that's going to be off the shelves, of course. And then the next thing, people got to be able to wipe their butts. My butts need to be wiped, folks. I need to be able to wipe my butt. <laughs> that's just the first thing. <laughs> that that goes to people, and then you see like old women being assaulted for the rolls of toilet paper. And I'm like, first of all, this this illustrates a couple things. First of all, how like are you seriously gonna get that aggressive with people? Like you're gonna you are being this serious? Where I saw a video of like an old woman grabbed a a package of toilet paper, and there was another lady who had like four in her cart, and the old woman turned around, and this younger lady who was probably in her 40s and this old woman was in her 70s or 80s tries to grab and steal the toilet paper from the old lady and the old lady had some scrimp in her she had some old woman scrimp luckily and she was like oh no what are you doing and the lady's like geez gosh and i was like are you what you just tried to rob an old woman at the grocery store for this like can we just all agree this is absolutely ridiculous and that it's fine here's my biggest thing is that with how set up with how available everything is particularly in america and we, yeah, you can look at, okay, people may have to be quarantined for two weeks. People, um, you know, these big events may be getting shut down. Most jobs, most good jobs are going to offer you, like my job, for instance, it's a big office, close proximity. And so they just said, hey, for the next week, work from home. Come into the office if you need to, but work from home. And I'm like, cool. And that's really just a precaution to keep everyone a little bit more isolated because honestly, with a lot of jobs, like 80% of what you need to do, which is answering emails, 
And I mean, there are there look, there are jobs that don't fit this criteria, and I get that. But so much of what you need to do can be done through email. It's like, or can be done digitally and remotely. It's like, hmm, um, yeah, uh, you know, look, there's really no, there's no confirmed cases <laughs> where I live right now, but there are. Um, but that's in part due to I think people being doing their due diligence because this thing does spread pretty rapidly, but. The fact that people, this is what I hate about the mob mentality a lot of times is, and panic can spread. And so that's why I try, I try and be that person who stays calm in a panic. So when people start freaking out, I'm like, all right, this is happening, but let's, let's keep a level head and let's handle this. Because the moment you start panicking is the moment you quit thinking clearly. You stop thinking clearly, all reason goes out the window and you make bad decisions. Just watching a, a little Dave Ramsey rant and he said it best. He goes, he goes, you're at your dumbest. When you're drunk and when you're in a panic. And and when you're both, just give up. But, <laughs> no, kidding. But he has exactly right. Like, you make terrible decisions then, and so don't make any rash decisions. And that's why it's like, in those moments, maybe you do need to make a decision. And right before you make that decision, even if you can't fully calm yourself out of the anxiousness or the, or the, the nervousness, just stop for... Whether it's you're about to hit buy or you're about to do something, like you're about to make some decision in this moment that you have to make in that moment and you can't, you can't wait. So take a breath and, and allow yourself to have a clear mind to, to, to clear everything out and to stop and make a calm decision. Whether, even if it's for a brief moment, just say, when you're freaking out in the midst of, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, this, this needs to happen, just, and then say, all right, I'm going to be calm for just a moment. Since I, if I can't, if I can't just talk myself off this ledge, I'm only, for a brief moment, I'm going to have some clarity and then, and then, and then make this decision. And honestly, I think that'll help a lot of people, but yeah, this this nonsense with the toilet paper has got to stop. I'm I haven't even been in the store because I'm like I I almost don't want to just to see, like I don't want to go and see the the wreck that is the toilet paper aisle. Now, also this toilet paper industry has got to be uh, booming right now. If you are a manufacturer, distributor of a toilet paper, I mean you're in the hot seat. But also business is great. The funny thing is though, once this dies off, now you're gonna have all these people who have these mountains of toilet paper and they're not going to need to go buy toilet paper for a year and a half. And maybe, maybe some people will say, you know, maybe once a year I should just go spend like 50 to 75 bucks on TP. And, uh, and then, and then that's my supply. Cause as far as I know, toilet paper doesn't go bad. Don't let it get wet, but it doesn't go bad. And if you're like me and you live in a tiny house and it's like, you know, I don't live. Oh crap. That term. I don't live in a in like a tiny house. I live I live in a small house. It's a two bedroom, one bath. But and you don't have a lot of storage space. That becomes okay. It's like ah, oh, that's the issue. But honestly, I mean, under the bed, you can find you can find tons of different ways to store your TP. You could make a cool pyramid in the corner of your bathroom. Um, I don't know. Use it as decor. Like I yeah. But <laughs> it's all beside the point. This is it's just ridiculous, guys. Like it. I just can't really come to full terms with the fact that this is what people are doing but um such is life when people start to panic so we have the sports world canceled and on top of that um 
interesting fact is that uh, or the follow up to particularly the NBA they came out with player guidelines they said you can't leave your home market so wherever your team is based you can't leave that area stay in your house as much as possible don't go out um, to gatherings they have to check in daily with their team doc- team team doctors team medical staff and training staff basically and so what they're what they're effectively trying to do here is fortunately only Donovan Mitchell is the only other guy who tested positive so they're going to keep monitoring everybody and then um, they said that this uh, postponement will be effective for at least 30 days. So we're looking at basically mid-April is what we're going to be coming up on where when the regular season was supposed to be done, and I believe there was a little over 200 games or 20% of the season left to be played at this point of suspension. And <clears throat> that's per Woj. And, uh, and so now the big question becomes... Because I, I honestly don't know. I don't know how they're going to handle this. I, I, it's Since it's a postponement, I believe that their intent is we're, we're having flashbacks to almost a lockout moment, but it's a little bit weirder. It's, a, it's, it's different context from the simple fact that the lockout happened at the beginning of the season, and then the season was just postponed till December. So when it happens at the, on the front end, it's really easy. Well, easy, I say. It's, in theory, it's easy to... You can just compress the season, and they just had a, a, you know, they had an amended season of like 50 games, but they were playing, you know, every other day basically all the time, and it was like it was like playoff best basketball of how much basketball is happening, but just constantly all the way through the playoffs, and you know that's fine. But here we are, we're in the last two months or month and a half of the season, really entering the last month and a half of the season, the final home stretch before playoffs, and we have a 30 day suspension of play so then like i know mark cuban is man he is he i think he went and stole a microphone and was like somebody record me constantly because i got a lot of things to say about this because he is really just taking hard to the streets and just putting a bunch of stuff out there which this which Contributes to the problem. I will say this. I love the fact that he is going to figure out a plan for all the hourly employees and game night staff and stuff like that to to compensate them in some way to make up for the lost income. That's really cool. And I know the Cavs are also doing that. And basically all the teams are looking at doing that on some level. And so that's great. That's awesome. Um, That's really, really cool of them. But my, my, my big thing is... Like, he didn't need to come out in the presser and say that. He could have just done that. But we're here now. And then also everything else he said, on some level, I can say, like, where he's like, oh, I think I think we'll be playing through August, as late as August. And it's like, great, dude. I'm glad you think that. You don't need to be preaching nonsense like that. Which, by the way, if it did go to August, let's let's run that hypothetical. So if it got postponed, then you're talking, you're talking regular season wouldn't kick off until, like, mid-May. And then... Like, it would really have to be delayed because, I mean, it would have to get real. It would have to get worse before it gets better. And then in getting worse, we would have to – it would have to really be delayed and shut down. And, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking you wouldn't really kick things back up until the end of May. And then at that point, all these arenas that have third-party events, which a lot of them are postponing too, then you're having a scheduling jam because you're, they're going to have to compress, make the games tighter – it's going to be a hefty project to figure it out, but then you're going to have to work around all the scheduling and stuff. And really, you're not going to see much of an off season at that point, which will make this. So then it bleeds into the next in next year. 
and it it cuts down the off season and it it's a hit the ground running and then the next season becomes almost like a lockout season because if say say you finish up in mid August well at that point um then everything is shifted back 3 months basically or two two and a, yeah two and a half to 3 months so then instead of starting late October you're going to start around New Year's and you're going to have to play an amended season and it's going to make things really, really weird. But like I said, that's a hypothetical, and that's just Mark Cuban just firing from the hip. And I'm like, come on, dude. You're a freaking owner of the team. And which is what they are, by the way. I don't know if you're one of those cuckoos, um, all those cuckoos out there who said, owner's racist. No, it's a proprietary term indicating that they are the chairman of the board and they own most of what is the company that is your professional sports team there's nothing racist about that it's just people people look at the race of the, the race dynamics and then they make a conclusion and it's idiotic so to switch to call them oh they're governors no they freaking have ownership of this organization they're the they they have proprietorship in the, they they spent money they've invested money they invested the most money and they are the chairman okay it's not it's just like saying it's just like saying my dad owns the vet clinic and it's like, oh, and, and say he has some people, some non-white people working for him. And it's like, oh, man, no, well, that's just race. No, it's not. It's just how the freaking thing works, all right? It's fine. And these people aren't enslaved by any means. So it's not insensitive. But that's a totally different topic. It's really off. That's, that's completely off topic. That's just one minor annoyance that I keep seeing, and I just kind of shake my head. Well, the funny thing, too, is the media, to me, bounces back and forth. They'll sometimes say, Board of Governors, Board of Governors, to make it sound so PC. But then, in the next paragraph, they'll say, well, the Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavs, and it's just like, so, are we not really buying into this? We're just randomly putting Board of Gov- adding Board of Governors as a way to reference owners? Which is what it really seems like. It's like, if, at least if you're going to be... If you're going to go down this idiotic rabbit trail of, they need to be called governor, like, go all in about it. Don't bounce back and forth on me. I'm not going on. They're owners. They're owners of the teams. Of the teams. Not people, but of the teams. So let's not get ridiculous. But anyways, so at least a 30-day <clears throat> suspension. So let's let's play that scenario out a little bit because I'm so super educated and have all the knowledge on this topic. Um, <laughs> really, I just want to play this game. So that, that brings us, let's say it brings us to April 15th, which would have been really approximately that. That's the, that's the end of the regular season. And that's where we pick back up. So you have about 200 games to play 20% of the season. And it was about five weeks left of play in total. So if we have, so looking at that, so then that would just push everything back let's say approximately, I, I don't know if it would push it back five weeks because they would definitely try and condense things down. But one, two, three, four, five. So approximately the regular season then would end mid-May. May 20th if you're going five weeks from the end of the current end of regular season. And then like, I know like June 12th or something was the, the estimated end of the finals. So one, two, Three, four, five. So that puts us at mid-July then. And that pushes everything back a little bit. And honestly, I think that... Hopefully that's the best... That's the worst case scenario and how things end up. 
uh, particularly in regards to pushing into next season, because then, yeah, that's going to shorten your off season. Um, you can have an amended off season, and you can still really start almost on time. I th- I'd say you push it back the beginning of the season to like the second week of November. So it would push it back about mm, two, two to three weeks, and then you're still able. You're still then you're back on track, and you still get you'd still get all of. Um, so then you'd get the back half of July, all of August, and then all of September, and then you'd start your training camp in October and all that good stuff. And then late October you do your preseason. Late end of last week of October, first week of November you do your preseason. And um, and then you'd be good to go. So that that's that's really not the worst thing in the world. But I mean, I think it's I think at the point that they pick it back up, it's gonna you're gonna see a condensed season. Um, but my big question was my my initial question was, um, and and I don't have an answer for this, so I'd love to get your feedback on this. Is do you think that? Um, they should finish out and play all the rest of the remaining games, or say it falls around April fifteenth. Do we jump into playoffs right around then? I think you're going to see a lot of teams who were in playoff contention upset that they couldn't do it. But what do you think is better overall for not just the end of this season and the the the, the calendar's sake, but also then going into next season and and starting that process. Um, for me, I'm on I'm on the fence right now. I'm I honestly am leaning more towards like, look, if we come to April fifteenth, and or we we come to this thirty days and things have calmed down, we've gotten control, and we feel like shoot, we can at least play games, but maybe without fans. Let's jump into playoffs. I mean, let's give it maybe a week of practice or whatever. You know, by, by that time they'll probably already be allowing practice as long as. More people don't test positive across the league. Um, say say we it stops those two players, Gobert and Mitchell, then be totally fine. And so, uh, then what we'll have is you'll have, <clears throat> yeah, you have jumping into playoffs, and where we are at is where we will go from. And you're gonna have teams obviously complain and be upset, but my big thing is, um. My big thing is that I always come back to just in general is like, look, crazy stuff has happened, and this is a this is a total anomaly, a historical moment that I think will that take a moment, and enjoy the fact that you're witnessing and living through this because I think this is something that's gonna ha- that will like this will actually remain in history. Like the the there's the spring or the year that all that American sports everything came to a halt, everything stopped. And, and had a pause and hopefully it's just hey it's 30 days or three weeks or whatever it may be and we'll just say look it's um yeah everything everything took a 30-day pause and got pushed back and we'll talk about it and we'll talk about and this will be you use an example of when you have pandemics and epidemics like this is how you handle it um and so that'll be really really cool so on some level take a moment and, and just be like huh Enjoy the history that you are being a part of. And then go panic and get into cage death matches in the, in the toilet paper aisle. Get your toilet paper because we got to wipe our butts. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Sit back and enjoy. 
Uh, I wouldn't really turn on SportsCenter because, I mean, sure, they're going to give you all the news, but SportsCenter is going to, you know that late night loop of SportsCenter? This is one thought I had. With no sports going on, ESPN's, ESPN, what ESPN can do with their airtime is a total crapshoot. Like, it's going to be stall tactics to the max. And I'm so curious to see how it unfolds, but I'm not, I really, I'm like, oh, no reason to watch SportsCenter anymore. What are you going to talk about? Well, everything stopped and canceled. They're going to do what I'm doing, actually. They're going to sit here and they're going to go through all the different scenarios. So, it'll for me, it'll be interesting for like a week, a few days, or through the end of this weekend, maybe. It'll be interesting. It'll be like, oh, fun thought experiment. But after that, what are you going to do? You're just going to keep beating the dead horse that is all these hypotheticals. I mean... The interesting, the thing, the good news is that you're going to have more news continuing to unfold every day as we monitor and all this stuff, but at least for the first like three or four or five days. But if it comes down to it and it's like, all right, cool, we're monitoring and we're going to keep monitoring with the CDC and stuff like that, but they, they stick to their hard 30-day pause, uh, not much. And then say no, no one, maybe one or two other players contract it or shoot, maybe no one else even gets it. And it's like, all right, what are we going to do now? Uh... You're going to have to go ESPN 8 the Ocho and get real creative. Uh, <laughs> start, start. I'll tell you what, Twitch streaming is going to go through the roof. Yep, Twitch streaming. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like honestly, you start covering esports real hard, ESPN, because I'm like, what are you guys going to have to talk about? whole lot of nothing. They're going to, like, you know, you know, you can tell at times they're, like, really stretching to find something, and it's like, all right, you're just talking to talk, which is, shoot, kind of what my podcast is, but hey. I, I, I know I, I own my brand, all right? I own this. I try and be thoughtful and try and talk about things that are interesting, but at the end of the day, it's my podcast. I'm going to do what I want, and so um, and it's your decision to listen or not, which I will say I appreciate. Um, shout out to my most consistent listener, sometimes my only listener, Connor. He's the man, and he always emails too. Uh, it's hard to find consistency and loyalty like that in a lot of in today's world and so i really do appreciate that shout out to you um i should do something for you for being so consistent but i'll think on that but anyways um yeah like what is espn gonna become uh to me it's like all right so start showing daytime television maybe (laughs) reruns of seinfeld here we go (laughs) like i really don't know it's it's gonna be funny to see but uh yeah enjoy the moment sit back and Maybe maybe enjoy laughing at some at ESPN and see what they're doing. Um, I'm I'm really annoyed with the politics of this. I will say that like it's gotten too political. Where it's and it's on both sides. So you have you have Trump handling it terribly in a lot of ways, or just really just like I just want to be like, shut him up. This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. You know, from Master of Disguise, it's like your mouth is moving, but I want it to stop. And uh, but at the same time, there's some things that I that I don't think are being very fair to him. For instance, if you saw, because this has become a big thing, if you saw where this whole 30-day um, travel suspension from Europe announcement, the announcement is a little bit, it's like, oh, man, this is serious. But then they immediately had to come out and correct so many details. And for everyone's first instance is obviously shoot the messenger here, uh, President Trump. Now we, I'm only going to, this is only speculation because I don't know exactly what happened. But then once you remember that he has speech writers and people that load the teleprompter and he's reading off the teleprompter, my first thought is who in the hell is running the teleprompter? But then I think, okay, okay, okay. You know what? I'm going to give the teleprompter a benefit of the doubt. 
maybe there's some instances where there was a word omitted or misread by 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 the president and he and so like on the cargo and trade one where he said it will affect cargo you know all you need is will not affect your cargo and your trade and goods coming from europe so that one it's like man now that's obviously the worst thing to misread but then i honestly lean more towards like it was it, it almost feels like and, and maybe this is just you got crappy people around you who aren't doing their job well. But like I believe the, the wh- whoever was behind putting this speech on the teleprompter and wording it the way they worded it needs to be fired. Because, you know, I mean, you know, there's a whole team that deals with any time the public there's a public address. They vet it. They they write I and mean, they, they can't control his Twitter feed. And that's where he gets his his uh, most of his like his thoughts, his raw thoughts out there. But. On this level, I do, I do, and I was upset just like everyone else, and I said, "Hold on," and I'm not trying to sit here and find a cop out for the president. I'm, I'm, at, I'm, I'm literally trying to think about this because you have people freaking out saying, "How could he do this? It's so bad! It's so bad! It's so bad!" And I'm like, first of all, you stop, stop yelling, stop getting red faced about this. All right? Yes, this is not good. But the problem is, all right, so the president's not handling it the best and his messaging isn't the best. And so, but then, and so then the media are going to handle, handle that piss poorly and freak out over that. And so then what does that do? That propagates more panic and hysteria. What they need to say is they say, oh my goodness, okay, this was bad. But folks, let's set the record straight on this. Here's what it is. Somebody in the public eye needs to be the face of of serenity, of calm, cool, and collected to bring people at ease. Now, I'm super intense and passionate, so I'm sure this isn't coming across as the most thing, but uh, you know what I'm always going to come back to? Like, do the research yourself. So I went and looked it up last night and figured out and got all the details on this executive order, and it's like, oh, so it's not a total limit on the ban. Like, it doesn't affect trades and goods. It's not, it's only 26 countries, and... There are U.S. citizens can be certain, meaning certain criteria can be totally exempt from it. Basically saying, if you're a U.S. citizen, you're over there, we can get you back. Usually it just takes proper screening and, uh, and, and you have to meet some certain qualifications and you're fine and you're fine. And I was like, oh, huge sigh of relief. And I read that and then really the best, really the question that I'm posing is how do you handle someone, someone being a crappy leader? Um, maybe you try and step in and fill that void for the, for the calm, cool and collected person to keep people at ease and to bring them down, to talk them off the ledge. Then, and I'm talking to the media here and how they're covering it. Then be, then just joining in on the outrage and screaming But but then when you realize that in a lot of ways, I, I do believe that the, um, that, you know, there, there is, I'm well, look, we got this a lot of, a lot of mainstream media is left leaning. Um, and that's fine. And until they try and be unbiased, but you have just all these pundits giving their opinions and their thoughts, not so much the facts. They twist the facts to match their opinion. And, but but really what you see is, and I, I think this is, this is what, this is what people want is they want a scenario where it's like, Oh, they want the economy to tank. They want this to be a real problem, a bigger problem than it is, I should say, so that it hurts his re-election campaign. And there's a clip of Bill Maher out there, and he that's that's really what he says in a lot of ways. Hold on a second. My dog just got this caught in the leg. 
Finn. Okay. Now get your toy out of here. Get out of here. Anyways. You want to talk in the mic, Finn? You hear that panting? That's Finn. Yeah. You're on the podcast, buddy. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about Corona? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good talk. Good talk. Here's a nose scratch. All right. Now go away. Finn, go away, buddy. Yeah, back up. Good boy. Sorry about that. Little, he wanted he wanted to come and give his two cents on it, but oh, deep breath, allow myself to calm down. But I really think that's what you see. I mean, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, there's a clip of Bill Maher out there saying, and this might be kind of tongue in cheek, but also I don't think I think it's there's some seriousness behind it. Where he said, where he kind of hopes for a recession over the Trump presidency. To get him out of office. And that makes my jaw drop. And I just sit back and say. Are you that vengeful? Are you that. Like do you just. You despise this person that much. You've dipped into. You've dipped and taken of the cup of hatred. That much. You've chugged that. To where you say. I would rather see. A nationwide problem. Because this one guy. Who I really despise. I was like, you buy into the narrative. You drank the Kool-Aid. Like, you can't be serious. I don't care who's president. I want the country to do well. Bernie Sanders could be president, and I want the country to do as good as it can. I would never wish a recession. It's like, that's, dude, you've, you've totally lost. And there's some people that do think that way. And I'm like, and what we have to do is you got to come at them with reason. We got to be like, look, you can't be serious. Like, you can't really buy into it. Is it really that bad? And, and you have to challenge people to reflect on their individual day-to-day lives. But, man, um, I will say this. The song uh, that says My Sharona, I've changed it to My Corona. And that's what's been running through my head about this. My Corona. And uh, what song What song have you changed to be the coronavirus? Uh, let me find – I don't know if I can find this tweet if I bookmarked it. But there was a great tweet yesterday. It was like nicknames for the coronavirus. And it was the whole, it was a meme with like where you start with the regular brain and then there's more light and then more light. And then it's crazy. Um, but let's see if I can find it. There's a couple, let's, let's, let's head to the Twitter feed and let's find our favorite things from the Twitter feed. Oh, there's the video that Andy No, NGO, Andy No, <clears throat> tweeted about. From this thing in Mexico about, I guess, health and staying. It's the uh, Ocampo 2020 Carnival in Mexico. Children's dance segment. There we go. Where it had they dressed up a kid as a germ. And it was supposed to be the coronavirus. And they put a cone hat on him because it started, because it started in Asia. And dude, I, all I could do with this was I just laughed. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh this is incredible. People freaked out, of course, though, and that was just something else. Where is... Dude, my bookmarks must not be working because I've definitely bookmarked that tweet. Um, let's see. Um, man. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite tweets. Guess what's more contagious than coronavirus? Panic. You know, my dog won't play with his toys 
And then I sit down to record, and he wants to play with every toy right next to me. So, okay, apparently bookmarking tweets doesn't work anymore. Oh, maybe it's under my likes. That's why. Oh, yeah, here we go. Your, uh, your one-stop shop for coronavirus nomenclature. So, COVID-19, Wuhan coronavirus, the Wu flu, Kung flu, or the commie cold. <laughs> I think my favorite is probably the Wu flu or the Kung flu. I like Kung flu. Um, what's your favorite? So, I'll read those again. Well, obviously, you have COVID-19, Wuhan coronavirus, the Wu flu, the Kung flu, or the commie cold. I my vote is for Kung Flu. Um, I think I'll put up a poll on Twitter. We'll see if it actually gets any traction at all. But at Rambling Viking on Twitter, I'll put up a poll with all these names, and you you let me know what your favorite one is. So maybe I liked the tweet. I guess I didn't. That's a bummer, man. Well, I did see this on Twitter. I think I took a picture of it, though. Yeah, here we go. Oh, because it was on Instagram. Um, another awesome tweet. And this was like, uh, <laughs> could you imagine, this is going back to presidential pol- political stuff. Can you imagine uh, President Biden giving that, giving the address? My fellow Italians, and he's talking about an address for uh, like coronavirus. My fellow Italians, today I'm in the Oval Bathroom to discuss the Heineken flu. I don't want to see us divided as blue states and green states. We need to be the United States of, of you, you know, the, the thing. Sniffs a kid. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Or was... <laughs> oh my gosh. But it, it's true, right? Like, it's funny because I think we all could see that on some level. Where it's like, okay. Um... Switching gears a little bit, though, I also found a cool chart that um, it says, you know, how contagious is it? And it's a little bit, basically, it's a little bit more contagious than the flu, um, a little bit more contagious than Ebola, because we don't know the exact um, uh, contagious level of it. So it's a it's a range. It's one point four to three point. It's, it's basically saying an infected person will inf- will can will spread to one point four to three point three people on average. And these other ones have, you know, kind of a more so solid range. So the seasonal flu was like 1.3. So it's a, it's it's basically just going one step further than that. But like, it's not. Let's 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 go over. I've gotten some reliable information from some health experts, um, a nurse who specializes in infectious disease. So a couple things uh, I, I do want to set straight before we before we close out and get off the show is it's not airborne. It is what's called droplet, meaning it has to be basically it has to be some kind of membrane and it has to spread through like physical contact. So uh, most an outrageous way it could spread: someone coughs coughs or sneezes on you in your face. Um, so points of entry, your most vulnerable points of entry, I'm sure you've heard this are, but I'm just confirming things are your nose, your eyes and your mouth. So there's like, try and not touch your face, which I realized once they told me that I realized how much I touch my face in a day and it became a, and then I wanted to touch everything and my face, my obnoxious 12 year old came out and I was like, Oh, but, um, 
So that's why they say wash your hands a lot because you're going to be touching your face and it's not so much that you're going to be touching other people, but close proximity, prolonged close proximity. So say around half an hour of being in close proximity of, with someone who has it is, is about what it would take. Um, the other thing is, you know, obviously when you're in crowds. So really how it goes is say, someone could cough or sneeze or even just be touching their face and they get it on their hand. And then they touch several surfaces. They touch their phone. They touch other things. And then and then it's on that surface and then other people touch it and then it spreads. So that's that's what droplet means. It's not like if I just cough in an open hallway and it falls on the floor. It's like there's still a risk and it's still the floor needs to be clean, but it's a relatively low. It's more so from it getting on someone's hands and then spreading to surfaces such as commonly used surfaces like doors, um, uh, tabletops, things like that. So that, that's, that's where your risk of spreading is. Um, I don't see a real risk with, uh, I lost my train of thought. Anyways, incubation period, they don't have it pinned down, but average right now is five days, which basically that means from you catching it to you maybe realizing you have it. They say, you know, it can take anywhere from two to 14 days to experience symptoms. It just depends on the person. But, um, what I found out was basically what they're seeing is that you could say you get tested and it comes back negative, but you're on day one of the incubation. The virus may not be enough, and this may sound weird, enough in your system for you to realize, for, for the test to come back positive. You, and so there's a, basically it's like your incubation, you need to basically monitor yourself for a few days and take precautions if you think you've possibly been exposed. And then if you start to experience some symptoms or something like that, then it's like, all right, now, or at least wait a few days for getting tested because that incubation period could cause false negatives to come back. And that could be a problem because then you have people, oh, I'm healthy again. I'm going to go back to not washing my hands and all that stuff. And then, but then they're not. And then a few days later they get it and they realized, oh man, I just made out with 25 people in the last four days because, you know, that's what you do in that situation. And bada bing, bada boom, you become part of the problem, even though you try to be part of the solution and helping. Um, but yeah, 14 days, most people recover. Your at-risk populations are, is the elderly. We don't have, there's minimal young person cases, very, very minimal. And their survivability rate is like in the 98, 99 percentile. Like it's, you're going to recover. All right. And we don't know everything about this, but, um, I think we're going to see, you still might continue to see a little bit of an uptick as things just got canceled. But I, but I believe that with all this postponement and cities not allowing gatherings over a thousand people, you're going to see, you're going to see it slow down and it's going to, it's going to buy some time before we spread. It's going to allow us to get more tests out there. It's going to allow the vaccine progress to go further. And then, and it's basically going to, it's, it's going to stem the tide, give us some time and, and really, really stop and get us closer, one step closer, a big step, taking a big step to getting, uh, getting this thing out of the way. <clears throat> so I want to just want to close with coming back around to the whole toilet paper thing or more so the, the panicky stock up and supplies thing. First of all, it's not a hyper deadly thing. And if you have to be quarantined, we live in a day and age where you still have Amazon prime. That's my first thought. Hey, you have buying in bulk. Why don't you already buy in bulk? And it, for like, so things that you should buy in bulk, toilet paper, trash bags. Um, if you have a staple food, 
that isn't really uh, that perishable, such as for me, it's peanut butter. I buy the biggest thing of peanut butter I can from Sam's, and it lasts me three, four months. So I, I only buy that. Figure out whatever whatever groceries that aren't necessarily perishable that you can that you can have a lot of. Already do that. Like I haven't bought trash bags in like two years because I buy this like 500 pack or whatever it is from Sam's, and then I don't buy. You know. It's a general concept that I've become more keen to and try and do when I can. Buy for the long term. It always, always costs you more up front. But what it does is it saves you in the long run. Think about it this way. I could buy a granola bar from a vending machine every day for a dollar, 75 cents. And... Yeah, that's not a lot of money, and I'm getting a granola bar just as I need it on demand. Or I could buy a, a hundred of them for, oh crap, a hundred of them for $75. And you might say, okay, so if I'm spending a dollar a day, that means over the course of a hundred days, I'm going to spend a hundred dollars. It's a one-to-one. Or if I buy a hundred to cover me that hundred days, I spend 75, I save $25. For a lot of people, that's a tank of gas. It's like, oh, and you may say, oh, well, it's just 25 bucks, whatever. But say you do that across five different aspects of your life and you do that, you do that with trash bags, you do that with toilet paper, you do that with paper towels, you do that with, I can't even think of what else right now. Honestly, I really can't, but you do that with all these different things. You do that with dog, you do that with dog food, you do that with peanut butter, you do that with water, you buy jugs of water and you refill or you get smart like me and you just have a a water filter jug the zero water filter jug by the way which is awesome expensive but very very quality and you and you just have to replace filters every um maybe about a month a month to four to six weeks every four to six weeks you have to change out the filter and um and the filters are about i think 15 bucks maybe so yeah it's but and you do that, then and say you save, you know, on average, say maybe you save twenty bucks or you save ten bucks here and there. All of a sudden, you've saved like three hundred dollars over the course of I don't know. It could be over the course of months. It could be over, over probably over the course of the year because you're looking in the long term. But like for me, I haven't bought a trash bag in like two years. And think about how often you go and you get a small, you get a roll of trash bags, and it costs you a few bucks. I spent like ten to twenty bucks. For like 500 and it's like, okay, if I go on average once every couple months and I spend $5 on a roll of trash bags, I'm going to be spending more than what I spent because, because you have to look how long these trash bags last me. If they last me two and a half years, that's a big payout. You end up saving. Really what I'm trying to get at is there are certain things in life that are a staple that you are going to use and or need almost every day. And if you can figure out how to... Spend a little bit more. So save, first of all, because that's the culture that we've we've come to live in is we've come to live in a culture that says get now, but pay later or or and it's like monthly payments for everything. And it's it because we have this culture that says, here's the lifestyle you need to live and you need all these things. When in actuality, I think if people actually look back and said, no, I could survive like this or that. You'd, you'd be finding people who aren't um you're gonna be finding people that 
Oh no, did I just lose it? Oh, you're gonna be finding that you don't need to, like you don't need to buy that thing right now. And so, and, and there's freedom that comes with, now there are certain circumstances, right? Where it's like, okay, this is the best decision right now, but I don't have all of it. And there, there's situations that it calls for it being necessary. And I'm not going to argue against that. And everyone is free to make their own choices. This is just an observation I'm having and something that with me and my my, my wife that we're, we've really shifted to over since being married really is that like buying buying something right now that's more expensive, that's way more expensive than, than it feels it needs to be and everyone in culture is spending for. But not having to say buy this thing ever again ever or at least for, I don't know, four or five years, that's going to save you. For example, I have a set of kitchen knives. If you don't know what Cutco is, look it up. But I have a set of Cutco knives. The set I have runs about $1,000. And you're going to say, oh, that's so much. And you know what? I'm somebody who three, four years ago, if you told me that, I'd be like, yeah, I'm never going to have those knives. I'm going to buy a $50 knife and just take really good care of it. And that's fine, and plenty of people do that. But let me tell you what I learned. So I actually sold these knives for a little bit, and I learned I learned a lot. And this is this is my first big lesson in certain things that you can buy for the long term. Pay more now to not so then you don't so you pay less or or nothing down the long run and later. Is I found that, and this was the sales pitch, but I did find that most people. On average, they have a drawer or a or random block of, of knives that they maybe didn't spend more of than fifty dollars on. You spend five, ten, twenty dollars on a knife, or sometimes fifty, sixty dollars on a maybe even a hundred dollars on a set. But these knives are mass produced, manufactured, and you find them in every basic store. It's really a low price point. Now it doesn't always mean that it's terrible quality, but you have to assess quality kind of on a spectrum and on a, and on a tiered scale and not necessarily like a good or bad or high or low, but more like, okay, this is, this falls in this range. Um, but what you find is that's how most people operate and they maybe do that every year, every couple years and they're buying these cheap knives and they put them in a drawer and the knives, they get dull really fast. Um, because another thing is that a lot of people cut on hard surfaces that dull your knife and most people don't sharpen knives or worry about them or they, and they might get a little thing, but the knife knives go dull and then people just end up living with a dull knife and they use that dull knife and that's what they accept. And then every couple of years they'll go and they'll spend 20 or 30 bucks. And over the course of their lifetime, they've probably spent about, they've probably spent several thousand dollars on getting, uh, these kitchen knives getting random knives. Now, the selling point for these is they are very high quality. Um, they're, they're made in the US, but they're very high quality. And so it's a higher, one knife might run you $100. On, we'll say around the average. Maybe even, the average honestly might be even a little bit higher than that. But we'll say, for sake of argument, one knife runs you $100. Here's the difference here. All those cheap knives you've been buying or cheap knife sets, there's no warranty. There's no guarantee. There's no, you send it in, get sharpened. Sometimes there may be, but these knives, there's a guarantee. So if anything goes wrong with your knife, say you chip the tip of your knife or something goes weird and now you're using it how it's supposed to be used. That's a big key. But for example, my mom has one of these knives and she uh, chipped the tip of it. And when I saw him, I said, hey, hey mom, send this in. 
So you pay a few bucks to send it into their factory. They'll polish it, sharpen it, and fix it or replace it for free. They'll ship it back to you in a couple weeks. And they will do that for forever. Everything you purchase from them is totally guaranteed for life. Meaning, I... So, because I sold them, I, I sold enough and did well enough in my first few weeks that they have this bonus structure. And so, I actually got mine for nothing, pretty much. And... Um, I had to buy the block, but I got mine for nothing and it, um, and now what I have is I have about a thousand dollar set of knives and, or I say that I paid a thousand dollars for these knives. We'll say that. We'll say that. We'll say that initially, but now, you know what I have? I have a peace of mind that is second to none when it comes to, when I think about, Oh, I need a knife for this or that. I have, I don't even blink twice when I come across knives in stores, unless I'm just like, oh, curious, like, oh, what's this made of? But like, as far as buying, like, oh, I need this or that or that, there's a couple knives on my list, yeah, that I want to add to the collection, but overall, I don't, I don't have a need to buy another knife, another kitchen knife. I don't need another chef's knife. I don't need, I have one of every kind of knife. And if I, if, if, and they're actually kind of getting dull. And so I'm probably going to send them in soon, get polished, get sharpened. And you do that every, you do that maybe once a year, say you, you spend five bucks once a year or 10 bucks, whatever it is to ship them once a year, you get them sharpened, you get them back. And then I never have to worry about buying another knife really ever again. Like it's not a necessity. And it's something small and innocuous that honestly a lot of people don't put a stock into buying like their kitchen knives. But A, once you use a good kitchen knife, be careful because you might cut yourself because most people aren't used to sh- good sharp knives. And that's something that um, that's something that I've learned through friends and people I know who have bought them because they'll say, oh man, I sliced my finger right open. And I was like, yeah. The, the pleasure in using a quality knife or quality anything of this level. And then the combined with the peace of mind that I'm good, I'm set for the next 40, 50, 30, 20, whatever, 100 years with these, that they're covered, it's so liberating. And so now I've started to think that way in everything. For in, in because And I'll tell you one of the things that is so, that is, that is a... It should, shouldn't be seen as an investment, but as a expense is your vehicle. What I've learned is because vehicles are just a depreciating expense. That's all they are. People, I, I, I somewhat still kind of think of them as an investment. If you get the right one, for instance, if you get a, if you get a truck, that's more of an investment because people always need utility vehicles and those hold their value extremely well. You can $10,000 could only get like, will get you like a, truck with 200,000 miles on it. That's still in good running condition, but it's just like, holy cow, like you're not going to, like you're going to have to share, you're going to have to spend some serious cash. But thinking about it as an expense, A, it, it, it brings in a whole new perspective and saying, okay, it's not an investment. And understanding that like, it's always, it's always constantly losing value, constantly needing maintenance. Like if you told me that there was a car out there that if I if I if I bought this car for a hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars even so as much as a house, but this car would drive for five hundred thousand miles, I only have to change the oil, uh, say once 
a year or every couple years maybe. And and the tires would last I don't know. Let's say let's say this car but overall the car would last me the next 20 to 25 years. You know what? The rest of my life. Honestly. How much this is the question I'm going to pose. How much would you be willing to spend if they there was a car out there that said this car is covered. It will last you the rest of your life. It can go however many miles you're going to drive the rest of your life. You average about 12,000 miles a year. So let's do some quick math. So say over the next So I'm I'm so over the next 50 years that's 600,000 miles. So let's say it'll last me 600,000 miles is the life of it. And it's guaranteed. And if something goes wrong, it's it it's covered in some way. You may have to pay some out of pocket, but it's covered. And so if when something goes wrong with the if it needs repairs, services, you take it in, it's totally covered. Would you spend that would you spend $100,000 for that car? I can tell you I probably would. And and say this was the car that I wanted, that I knew I was going to be happy with, it could it, it kind of did everything. I would probably spend $100,000 for a car that would last me 50 years. I would probably spend more than that. You know why? Because that's not a thing. Cars last people, I don't know what the average is. I should have looked this up, but I didn't expect to get into this conversation. Cars, I think, I don't know how long cars, but most cars, people, you have people that go 200, 300,000 miles on it, but honestly, you have people get rid of them for them and the turnover rate is so high and you'll spend $30,000 and then in five years, you'll trade it in for $7,000. That's a net loss of $23,000. And think about just the money that going... I'm honestly seeing cars as a hole in the ground or in your driveway that you just dump money into because that's what they are. And when you see that, when you start seeing cars as an expense and not as an investment, because it's honestly not, it doesn't really build equity or value unless you have some, unless you hold on to it, you get the right car and it becomes a classic, but that's years down the road. Then it changes how you feel about like justifying getting, getting a new car. Um, or getting a car and spending this much money. I know for me, I'm looking to have patience, save up, and only buy what I can afford. Meaning, I'm I'm moved less and le- I move more and more away from um, getting into a payment situation on anything. Now there are a few exceptions. There's always exceptions. The right deal or opportunity comes up, you can make a calculated move. But the real thing is, if you can develop a habit of saying, "No, I'm going to hold off." So for, oh, I want to get an iPhone, but if I trade in mine, then the new one will cost me $400. Well, I'll just get on a payment plan, be 20 bucks a month, no big deal. And it's like, if there's no interest, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But if living that way, you'll find yourself with all these payments and you truly don't own what you own. Like the moment I paid, I, I owed a little bit on my car. I got a small note on my, my Civic I got, but the moment I paid it off, it was like this mental freedom of I fully own this vehicle and I can do whatever I want with this vehicle. I owe nobody anything for this. All that I owe on the vehicle is the cost to maintain it. It was the most freeing thing. I wasn't ready for this mentally. It was so, there was something so, I can't even explain. It's like, okay, you can kind of understand it. But once you experience it, it's so liberating. And I can't even begin to describe how awesome it is. But... And then, and then just being that way with more things in your life, you can look around your life and say, I don't owe anybody anything. I own everything that is in my possession. It's just like, wow, you, 
the freedom and the liberty to do whatever and make whatever moves is there. And it's incredible. And learning to have the resolve to be able to try and save up for something and say, all right, I don't need this right now, but this is something I will need down the line for us. It's we're, it's a truck, right? And so it's a new vehicle and trucks are expensive. And what I think what most people do is they go and they see how much they can get a couple thousand on their trade for their car, maybe put a couple thousand down and then let's grab a four year note at an affordable payment. Um, a there's interest on those. And so you always will pay more. They'll sell you at a low price point of, of four or 5,000 less than what they would give you if you paid right up, straight up for it because they know they're going to get more. Um, but also then you're caught up and wrapped up in this. And if something hard is to happen to you or there's some and money gets tight, it's all of a sudden it's like, oh man, then you start getting in sticky situations. Whereas say you say, all right, I have this goal. I'm going to put back and be disciplined and manage my behavior, behavior, oh, who am I? Behavior and save and and take time, have resolve and restraint to try and save up and just be able to buy this car outright, which I did watch an interesting YouTube video where I guess the way that the, the dealership world has changed, car sales have changed, they, you will like have to pay a premium to pay cash, which is so stupid, but it's, but in this, in the day and age of payments, I mean, and where everything's a payment and you have a payment and you look around, it's like, Oh, I owe this, this much a month on this, this much on this, but you have the things that you want, I guess it's, it's a trade off of the instant gratification for having to pay it off. And I don't know, I've, now that I've done it with a few things, for instance, I <laughs> will go back to, I don't have to stock up on toilet paper. I don't have to stock up on trash bags. I don't have to worry about buying kitchen knives ever again. I own, we own all of our vehicles. We don't owe them to anybody. We own all of our furniture. We own everything, basically. We, I'm finding myself like, man, this is the way to go. I'm, I may not get everything on the timeline that I want it necessarily, but if you get ahead of the game in the sense of you save up from the, you, you come out of the gate and you do, you make moves like this where you, you live with, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to be happy with what I have and live with what I have. And I can live without these things, but here's what I, here's, here's, here's what I want. And maybe it's one big purchase that I want. I'm going to save, 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 and then purchase that outright, have that. Then you're going to be ahead of the curve. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing is you'll get ahead of the curve and then you will only, that's how you will begin to operate for everything. And then later in life, you're going to find yourself in a better position, or I guess to be, to have what I would call wealth, not necessarily like I have a bunch of money, but you have actual wealth, which allots you freedom to live how you want and make the decisions, make choices and do things how you want. And I think, I think if you don't let yourself get too far into, if you can make an exception every now and again to, to maybe get in that situation where it's like, ah, you know, I'm going to pay this off. Even if you do get payments and say, I'm going to save like I was going to save. I needed this sooner than I was ready for. Then I thought, so I'm going to have to, I, I can put a little down, but I'm going to take on these payments. And another key thing to look for, if it's interest-free payments, that's usually the only time I'll consider it now. If, it, if you say interest-free, it just costs you this much, and this is how much is being financed, and there's not going to be interest, then I'm, then, but if, but if the moment you just interest, it's like, might as well save, might as well save, and I'll wait. Uh, but anyways, if it's interest-free, and say, well, 
you can still save how you're going to save, but instead of that money going into a savings account, it's going towards this item. And so then effectively you're doing the same thing. And that's where there, where I see an exception. Now you can, I can very easily convince myself to say that, Oh, I'll just, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this. Um, and and I'm, I'm going to keep doing this and Oh, I'll just do this for everything. It's fine. But then you're going to find yourself where you buy two or three or four things and it's like, Oh, I have to, I wasn't going to save and buy all four of these things at the same time. I was going to save for this thing and then save for that thing and then save for that thing. Now I have the things that I want, but now I'm financially strapped and owed indebted to these five things. And I won't be able to pay them off as expedited as I would hope. And so that's where I've started asking the question. I think it's important that we all ask our question is how, you know, how necessary is this? And there are a few things that are. I will say one thing that I think is is worthwhile and is more of an investment and less of an expense is a bed. Um, is is if get what you can afford, but know what you really need or want, and then and then make it a priority to save and get that. A bed is is a necessary expense where I could see you spending a little bit more than you have. At that moment, and and going into a situation where you have interest-free, I'll repeat that, interest-free payments, um, and and you have to maybe pay it off over the course of six months or even a year. Because you can't put a price on your sleep and your rest. If you have a bad bed and you can't get good sleep and rest, that affects your entire life. Your cognitive ability, your ability to function day-to-day, your personal relationship, you're going to be grumpy, you're going to be tired all the time. It actually, it hurts your health. And so make it a point to get a bed that works for you or, and maybe shoot, you know, maybe a quick fix that you could do while you save up for the bed that you actually want, get a foam, foam toppers are cheap, a couple hundred bucks. You can get a foam topper and maybe that'll fix the situation. Get a little foam topper and get a better pillow. And then, and then it's like, all right, and then go try out beds and figure out, all right, this is what I want. And this is what, and, and it's this much. And don't be afraid of a high price tag. Be able to assess the true value of a situation and saying, all right, what is this? Because a bed is something you use every day. And, you know, is this something I use every day? Is this something that um, if I have a, a lesser quality could could seriously, legitimately negatively affect me? Not just the way I feel about my quality, you know, my, my ego side of it, but actually objectively affect me. So anyways, to sum it, <laughs> I don't know how I got this down in this trail, but in summation, I just want to challenge the listeners to, you know, hey, where do you stand on as far as, like, for instance, uh, as far as, it's particularly, let's look at cars. Hey, I, I want to challenge our perspective on cars to go from an investment because if you look at how it depreciates and loses value and how much it costs to maintain, it's an expense. Looking at it as an expense instead of an investment. And then also evaluating your life and saying, what are some things that I can buy that would cost more up front that I can buy long term, but would be worth it over the long term because then, um, and w- and would make sense. Um, where do you stand? I guess where do you stand on this whole situation of 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 costing more up front? A saving to pay in full up front, but spending more on the front end to save on the back end and long term because it's not just like oh I'm going to save like five bucks a year. It's like it may not be worth it to spend four hundred dollars more than you need to. You need to obviously make sure the math checks out, but. Uh, um, and, and make sense. Don't just go, 
well, it's $500 versus $50. Um, but, it, but I would only have to spend, and this $500 only lasts me five years and then $50 would last me three years. Well, uh, yeah, I'm going to buy now. So buy for the long term, right? And quality. It's like, there may be a discrepancy there, but where do you stand on all this? Um, I know that I, I am now, I am become so hesitant to take on any type of payment or payment plan. And even if I do take on a payment plan, I'm going to take it under the, under the pre, under the context of it. I'm putting a good chunk down. There's no interest. And I'm in a situation where I'm already saving for this thing. And so now what I was going to save just goes directly into the payments and I'm going to pay this off super fast. I'm going to pay this off in the matter of four five, six months, depending on how big the expenditure is and then be in the free and clear because I don't want to be in this situation. So I found it to be extremely valuable, liberating, freeing. I think, I think it's, I, I really think it's the way to go. And I think it's something in our culture that is, it's, it's very counterculture to be because everything's sold as they are doing, you can do a freaking, you can buy a couch for a thousand dollars and they'll do 72 month payment plan. That's five year there. Wait, hold on. 12. That's six years. I just, whew, math. I had a brain fart there. That's six years to pay a thousand dollars for a couch. If you, if it's going to take you six years to save up a thousand dollars for a sectional, you might should reconsider. But I will, I will, I always like to add this caveat with any type of, um, anytime I have, anytime I give my opinion on other people's lives, but I will say this, but it is your life and it is your choice to make. And I respect you to make whatever choice you decide to make. I can't control you or I can give you my opinion or my thoughts on what I think you should do, but I'm not going to be judgmental, scrutinizing, berating to what, whatever you decide to do. I will respect it and say, that's your choice to make. And that's, I think, and I think that's, that's very important is because I think we live in a, in a day and age where, and last thing I'll say here, we do live in a day and age where people are afraid to do that sort of thing because now the, uh, pre- the, the underlying notion is that, oh, you're telling me what to do and you're going to judge me if I don't do any other ways. First of all, why should you care if they judge you? What does judgment do? Oh, why'd you do that? Because I wanted to. Oh man, well, that's a dumb decision. Well, I did it. It's my life. So why do you care? Now shut them up real quick anytime someone tries to judge you. How does it affect? My question always is, how does, how does you buying a couch and taking six years to pay it off affect me directly? It doesn't? Oh, at all? It really has no bearing on my life? Well, okay. I don't care. That was your decision. I'll tell you, I think it was a dumb decision, but hey, it's whatever. Let's, let's kick back on this new couch of yours and play some video games. <laughs> like, honestly. Um, because, you know, I have... I like to say, you know, I keep, I try and keep in perspective what's really important. So anyways, that's where we're at an hour 15. I don't know how we ended up here. We talked about so much. The Corona shut the sports world down. Let me know anything and everything on your thoughts on whether you think sports are actually going to kick back up in mid April. If you think this is, get, this is going to get under control and start to, we're going to get on the back end of the bell curve and it's going to start to die down by then. I think once there are some people that think that once it gets hot, the virus will be, and, and, and people take these steps and we start having less gatherings and people are isolating themselves. I think in the next, I think in the next 30 days, you're going to start to see a decline. We're going to see things actually start to get better, especially as it gets hot. The virus isn't going to be able to live anymore. Allegedly we'll see, but, um, 
It's definitely going to be interesting to see how all this sports stuff plays off. I guess March Madness is straight up canceled, not even postponed. I mean, that's such a big project. I don't even know. I don't know if it if it works if they are able to postpone it. So, a year without March Madness. Here we are. A season without March Madness as of now. But we're going to see how this unfolds. Um, also, um, you know, how do you did you have to go fight people for toilet paper? Let me know. <laughs> What are you? How are you handling it? Are you having to be quarantined at all, or self quarantined, or iso- We'll say isolated. Are you having to be isolated? Um, you know, what do you think of all of this? And then, I guess, you know, lastly, uh, what are your thoughts on you know long paying more right now for the long term than and and cars are cars an investment or an expense to you? See if I remember to post that Twitter poll for the different names of the coronavirus. We'll see. But uh, thanks for listening. Glad you made it this far. Um, look forward to your emails, uh, theramblingviking at gmail.com or at ramblingviking on Twitter. Um, or you can go to anchor.fm slash theramblingviking and leave me a message that way. Um, they have a voice message option if it's easier to talk out what it is because I know um, some responses can be lengthy and it can be a lot to type. So thanks for listening. I uh, hope you guys stay safe, stay clean, um, avoid that corona. Uh, remember, keep lines on handy. I heard those are going fast. And uh, how are you going to fill your free time with no sports? If you're someone like me who likes to watch sports, what are we going to do? Probably a lot more of these podcasts. All right. Thanks, guys.